Next into the tank is a company that encourages kids to play with their food. No, 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 no. <laughs> Sharks. My name is Tomo. I'm a stay-at-home dad to two very, very picky eaters, and I cannot tell you the number of times I've heard the word no. It's the one superpower that kiddos can wield over their parents from a really young age, and the place they use it most is the dinner table. Let's turn those no's into yeses with Noshi, edible organic food paint and condiments that kids can use to turn any mealtime into an art class. Whatever you're doing right now, I need you to stop what you're doing and give some super claps for Super Tamo. Woo! Welcome, Tomo. How are you doing today? I'm good, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. Happy to have you here. Happy to chat about business and your Shark Tank experience and everything. So let's jump right in to what uh, what was your relationship with Shark Tank prior to ever thinking you would get to go on Shark Tank? Were you a fan? Not a fan? I was very aware of it. I mean, the, the idea for Food Paint was put in front of me by a family friend in February of 2015 in... April of 2015, we put a Kickstarter online um, trying to raise $20,000 to further, you know, pursue this project. Um, And 10 days after the Kickstarter went live, I got an email from Shark Tank, uh, which said, oh, my God, this is an amazing product. We'd love to put you on the show. It's really late in the application process. Can you do a call on Monday? And I was like, wow, this is that was easy. Um, Yes, I'd love to do a call on Monday. So I did the call on the Monday which lasted an hour. Um, and at the end, it went really well. I was on the call with their, the whole production team in LA. And at the end of the call, they said, okay, give us a couple of months and we'll get back to you. She might've been less than a month, couple of months, but she said she would, you know, the head producer said she would get back to me as soon as possible. And meanwhile, we didn't have a product because obviously the idea was only two, two, three months old at that time. Um, and so I'd Worked out that I needed a food scientist. I'd found a food scientist. It ended up not being a great match. Um, He didn't really understand what we were trying to do. And he was sending me samples in the middle of summer in New York in unrefrigerated packaging. And I was opening them in 100 degree heat. And I remember he sent me this parcel and the samples he had sent for some reason were almost 50% coconut oil, which I hadn't requested. All I'd said to him was, I want fruit and vegetable puree that's shelf stable and store ready. Um, so I opened these samples and they look like salad dressing that it's, it's, it had separated in the heat. And I'm sitting here thinking, oh my God, this is a nightmare. And as I was sitting there with these things in my hands, my phone rang and I saw that it had an LA area code. And I was like, oh my God, it's Shark Tank. I'm going to have to say we can't do it. Um, and I picked up the phone and I said, hey. And she said, hey. And I said, um, she actually, no, she said, I'm, I'm, she said, Tommy, we we love your product, but you don't actually have a product yet. And I said, I, <laughs> oh, um, I know. Um, and I don't think we can do the show. Right. And she said, no, you're not quite ready yet. And I said, well, how does this work? I mean, have we lost our, have we missed our chance here? And she said, no, let me know when you get your product into stores and we'll talk then fast forward two years. And we were just about to go into stores. And I emailed her and she had left her job at Shark Tank. So it all sort of went by the wayside. But of course, by that point, I was very distracted in getting our first product into first stores and and we sort of grew from there and I made peace with it. Um, and then last April, um, I don't know how much to back, bounce back and forth here because my wife was in the UK at the time. She had We had decided that she should probably go and stay with her parents for a few months because she was sick and I was trying to get my business moving and didn't really have the ability to look after her and the kids and focus on the business. So she went back to the UK. I was sitting here thinking, um, you know, 
being proactive and I was like, okay, I've got to do the fancy food show in the summer. I'm going to launch Crayola food paint and I'm going to launch SketchUp. Um, what else can I do to be proactive? Oh, I remember I've got all those email addresses from Shark Tank from way back in the day. I'll send them all an email because now we're in Walmart and presumably that would be quite interesting to them. So, but at the same time, I was thinking they're not going to reply. There's no way they're going to reply. It's just, you know, too much, too, too much of a moonshot. Um, so I sent these emails out to, I found six of their emails in my inbox from years ago, sent them all the same email saying, hi, remember me, question mark, we're in Walmart now and sent them all off thinking they're not going to respond. And within 20 minutes, they responded. And I did a call with one of them the next day. And from that point on, it just sort of did that pretty quickly. And I ended up being assigned two full-time producers in June, so like six weeks later. And they worked really closely with me all through last summer until I arrived in the studio on September the 11th, last September. Wow. Wow. That, that, that is that's such a, a journey uh, that uh, not everybody gets to to say that they went through, you know, starting, just, what, eight years earlier? Yeah, <laughs> or, or, well, seven or years. Seven, seven years, years earlier at the time? Yeah, between last year and when it first started, yeah, seven years. Ah, crazy, crazy. So uh, so were you, a, were you a fan of Shark Tank, though? Because you, you didn't, uh, you kind of skirted that question. <laughs> <laughs> I... Love the idea. I would love to be able to watch Shark Tank, but I find it so stressful to watch. I, you know, I, I can't help but put myself in the shoes of all of those entrepreneurs and know, because I'm an entrepreneur, know just how much is riding on what happens in that studio. And it's just very, very hard for me to watch it. I watched it. I watched episodes through last summer to prepare for my appearance. Um, but I, even that I found quite hard. It was, it was, it's, it, I find it extremely stressful to watch, um, which is not to say it's not a brilliant show because it is obviously it's amazing television and it's, a, it's just an amazing concept. And I'm so glad that I was a part of it. And I'm so glad that I got to stand in that studio in front of those five sharks. It was an amazing experience. No, that, that is, uh, that is so true. So, so I, and, and that's part of the, the reason why, you know, I take such a, positive role uh with my channel and my show because i want to uh, i want people to realize like these are you know the sharks they're people they're also playing characters and the people that are standing on that carpet are real people with their real businesses and might be the only, you know, business that they ever, you know, have or will ever maybe get to, to own. And, and it's their baby. Right. And they're, you know, mortgaging the house on it. Right. Or, or selling their house in some cases uh, to make it work and, and, and get it to have legs. So, you know, to me, like I'm always trying to be the advocate for the entrepreneur and, and how, uh, they can best move forward, whether regardless if they get a deal or not, because like you just never know if you're going to close anyway after the fact. Yeah, it was, and um, yeah, I think it was it was surreal the whole experience standing there in front of them. Yeah, you because know, they're so familiar. Even though I don't watch it, you know, obviously I know who all five of them are. Um, so just standing in that. <laughs> on the one hand, you're like, this is the most surreal thing I've ever done. But at the same time. Once you're there, I mean, this this was my experience anyway. Once I walked out onto that set and was told to stand still while they focused the cameras and the floor manager said, okay, in a minute, I'm going to say action. And that's when you start your pitch. 
like there's this immense sense of calm that fell over me. I'm like, I have got one shot to get this right, and I'm going to get it right. And it was it was really I almost had the Eminem song running through my That's head. That's what I was about to say. You only got one <laughs> shot. Da, 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 da. Um, and so you just do it. You know, I mean, to be honest, though, the 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 preparation that they help you with, you know, the the extent to which they help you with the preparation is amazing. They're all very very good at their jobs the production crew are amazing um and you know we spent i had an hour-long call with my producers every week um between june and the end of august and we just went through everything 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 my pitch my wardrobe my presentation the photos that would be used you know everything we just went over it over and over again and so by the time i walked out onto the set yes it was nerve-wracking and terrifying and surreal but you know, I couldn't have been better prepared by that point. And they, your pitch especially, they they make you go over it a million times. So by the time you walk out there, you are word perfect. And I'm hugely grateful to them for doing that. And they wrote it for me as well. That I wrote the first draft, and then they worked their Shark Tank magic on it. And in in their their first draft, written off the back of my first draft, we never changed a word after that. They were so good at their jobs that they got it so right on the first shot that that, that was the pitch I used in the studio. Well, that wow, that is crazy. I uh, had not heard that before. I mean, I know they go over the pitch and they'll revise it. And we've heard, I've you know, here on the channel and the super community, we've heard like, you know, start with an eleven-minute pitch and then work it down to seven minutes and then work it down again to five minutes and two minutes and then ninety seconds. And yeah, and I mean, what are you going to cut? You know, like it's tough. It was definitely the pitch they wrote was definitely their rewriting of my pitch, but it was rewritten in the shark tank style which it has to be right yeah it has, to, it has to be that snappy you know they know which bits to focus on they know where they tell you where to emphasize they you know they they just they know what they're doing they're very very good and thank god for them yeah and it, i mean i mean from a production standpoint it saves time and money you know time is money especially when the cameras are on and the editors are editing after the fact like it really helps narrow in the yeah. you know t- reduces their production time after the post-production time after the fact as well yeah. as the sharks time because they're seeing eight to nine people a day <laughs> on that carpet which is yeah. brutal if yeah. my in my uh in, in, in my um opinion for yeah. them to do that uh for like 40 pitches a, or 40 plus pitches a, a season yeah i mean they 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 don't, 80, they they don't know like 90 90s is like 22 times four is 88 yeah yeah they 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 didn't seem too ruffled they're you know they're they're they're, they're yeah they know what they're doing don't they Oh, at this point, you would certainly imagine so. Yeah. Um, so, how did you go about balancing all that, like with you know your wife's situation? Which how how is your wife doing? Well, that's another long story. Um, okay, I'll table the other question, the second question, that or the first question, <laughs> the second question. Um, she got sick with COVID in April 2020, and just couldn't get better. And so by the beginning of last year, she was in bad shape. And so that was when we had this discussion that culminated in her going back to her parents for what ended up being nearly 11 months. So by the time I flew to LA to do Shark Tank in September, she had been away from us, from me and the kids for eight months. Um, And so 
on the one hand, obviously, it was devastating for us as a family. We all missed her. The kids missed her. I missed her. You know, your family's meant to be together. But it did enable me to 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 do get a lot done with the business, um, including, you know, the Shark Tank preparation. And so I did Shark Tank. She, you know, by that point, you know, I, I it had sort of been a case of, let, let's just get Shark Tank out of the way and then you can come home because then I'll have a lot more time on my hands to, 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 to help. So she came back in early November and then suddenly started making amazing progress and, and got better very, very quickly. And, you know, to, to all intents and purposes, it was back to full health. Um, and then at the end of, actually the beginning of February this year, she was effectively back to full health. And then one weekend, she and I and our son all got sick with what we all thought was flu. Uh, and my son and I had been vaccinated for flu this winter and Freya hadn't. So when he and I got better and she didn't, we just, again, thought it was flu. Um, to cut a long story short, she didn't have flu. She had very aggressive endocarditis and was admitted into hospital 10 days later because her fever was spiking at 104.6 degrees at night. And she was admitted to hospital on the 6th of February. And on the 13th of February, she had emergency open heart surgery, which saved her life. And if, she, if it had been left another 24 hours, she would have died. So COVID was gone. And then suddenly this happened. So yeah, that's the answer to your question. <laughs> wow. Um, that is incredible. Like, I'm so sorry that, that, that you've had to go through all that and commend you. I mean, I, I did that. I said that I th I'm pretty sure in my video, you know, how incredible, uh, you are for being able to, cause like having kids is a, a full-time job, right? Like it, it, especially when you start talking about more than one kid, uh, having, having to be a caretaker for, for another person, uh, who's unable to, to care for themselves is, is another full-time job. And then having a business, yeah. I mean, it's like five, ten. I mean, there isn't enough time to explain all the hats that you had to probably, you know, that you have to wear in running a business and getting it off the ground and getting it successful while trying to make sure that the kids are getting the homework done or eating, you know, eating dinner because we're talking about Noshi, right? Uh, or was it? Yeah, Nash, Nashi, sorry. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and all the you. things, all the things that you have to do, like, I, I, you know, I mean, having two kids that are, you know, healthy, in my case, like, it's, or mostly healthy, uh, in my case, it's, it's hard enough, right, to, to be involved in, like, if they're in sports or activities and all these things that, like, I think a lot of people discount or look the other way of or just, like, you know, like, oh, well, that's, you know, what the up my spouse is for, right? That, they'll yeah. just take care of all that. And that's, I mean, that's not how I operate. Um, and that's not how me and my wife operate. So it's, it, it's incredible amounts of energy and effort and, and dedication to make it work. Um, yeah. And, and to have that, your wife going through all that. And I'm so, I'm so glad that she was able to get that, that surgery and that she was here and capable of getting that surgery, uh, here in the States because yeah, I mean, not everybody's that lucky. Right. I mean, she's now again, almost back to full health. She's starting to actually do bits and pieces of consultancy work, which is an amazing, you know, it's the first time she's worked in three years. 
Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, that, that is phenomenal that she's, uh, that she's get finally getting, getting to a place where she feels like she can work. And, yeah. uh, and it's kind of, I mean, the, the, I know the mental anguish. I know when I've been sick for extended periods of time, the mental anguish of not being able to do things and feel useful to not only others, but to myself, um, yeah. I know is, is a real, you know, gymnastics worth of mental, uh, you know stuff going on to to as well as the health related yeah she um she had just um she'd launched a sub stack the day before she got sick with endocarditis she was you know she announced her return to the working to the workforce the day before she got sick so it was just like my god how <laughs> the timing how what what else are we gonna what else is gonna be thrown at us anytime soon you know, it just seems like it's relentless it's like you get one step forwards and then it's not one step forward and two steps back it's one step forward and 72 steps back um but as i say she made amazing progress after the surgery she's back and she came home within she was home within three weeks of the surgery and she's yeah she's she's looking like she's pretty much back to normal oh that that is that is great that is great i'm so glad to hear that um going back to the first question before i dived into the second question there uh oh crud where were uh was um was it balancing like how did you go about balancing all this though in the in the time i mean your so your wife was in england when you were preparing for shark tank right yeah but balancing I had been even with two kids parent. yeah i'd been a stay-at-home parent since um uh since our daughter was born basically which was in 2006 um so i was very you know, people, the, the cliche is it's hard, it's hard work being a stay-at-home parent. It's not hard, it's frustrating because you get a routine and you stick to it. You know, you've got these small people that you need to look after, you need to keep them happy and healthy and well-fed. Um, and it's not hard to do that. It's frustrating if you've got, you know, if you've got aspirations to do more with, the, with your life. So that was the bit of, about stay-at-home parenting that I found hard. Um, but it wasn't... Um, the the main part of it was frustration. I was like, I, I need to be doing more. I want to be doing more. Um, and so when, actually, the reason the idea for Food Paint was put in front of me is that I was sitting at home in 2013 with my kids um, were seven and three, and my son had just started preschool. And I was like, right, I need to speak to some grown-ups. I need some adult company. So I volunteered to do friendly visiting with the elderly and was paired with this amazing guy called Ben on the Upper West Side, um, who had just suffered a stroke. And so I started seeing him on Friday mornings. And from the very first week that I went to visit him, his wife, Peggy, would also sit with us. And the three of us got on amazingly well um, and became fast friends. And we talked about the fact that my kids were picky eaters and not necessarily picky eaters, but just didn't really, they weren't getting excited about mealtimes. And the fact that I was trying, you know, I spent a lot of my free time looking in grocery stores for products that might interest them in mealtimes and couldn't find anything. And then I started talking about how, joking about how that might end up being my new career because I had previously worked in the fashion industry and didn't want to go back to that. And then one evening Peggy emailed me and she said, I've got an idea for a food product. And it was the genesis of the idea of food paint. Oh, that, that, uh, <laughs> Hey, look, every, every, uh, was it necessity breeds the, is the mother invention, right? And, and yeah. that's, um, having, you know, having two kids that, I mean, for us, the best thing we've done to date is like put a meal chart 
with like it's basically just a, a plate with like a fork and spoon and then they just get the right like they get to draw a star on the plate whenever they try something new and they've been trying to like well if i try this candy can i get a star and like no <laughs> candy's uh, you know not part of that but yeah. if you uh you know you try something at the dinner table yeah like we'll, we'll absolutely get your star get 10 stars we'll get your prize and i mean it's it, it, it can be so difficult. It's also difficult just to keep that up because truth be told, you know, when you have two kids that are both in sports uh, activities and things like that, like dinner time isn't always together at the dinner table. Cause like we're shoveling food in our mouth so we can get out the door in time and be there where we're supposed to be for softball, T-ball, karate, swim but lessons, that, piano. Like it's a mess, man. But that is also quite an interesting thing to, to say because what millennial parents seem to have worked out and millennial moms and dads are my target audience. They've worked out that, you know, traditionally my generation, my parents' generation, we were told to sit down at this time and eat that food that's been put in front of us. And of course it's the same as being told you've got to go to school. Generally speaking, if you're told you have to do something, it immediately becomes unenjoyable before you even start doing it because you're like, why do, why have I got to do this that way? So what I was trying to do differently was find a food product that didn't necessarily cure picky eating, but cured um, the, you know, negated the need for that conflict at mealtime. So instead of kids dreading getting up to the table, they had a reason to look forward to getting up to the table. And what millennial parents seem to have worked out or have worked out is that they have a far more laissez-faire attitude to mealtimes. Mealtimes are much less regimented. Um, with you know for millennial parent families you know they, they the the time isn't so regimented the ingredients aren't so regimented the location isn't so regimented you know and and that's the right approach i think like what you ultimately this is all about giving control back to your kids you know, they they have this superpower which is the ability to say no and they always exercise it at meal times you know that's where they most you know have the ability to say no they can't say no i'm not going to school but they can say no i'm not going to eat this food so if you can sort of deflate that balloon and and give them no reason to fight back against you that's where i'm coming from why is nobody why has nobody before me created a food product specifically for use for child by children why why is no why are more people not have why have more people not worked out that just give the responsibility to them. They love it. You know, they love to be trusted. They'd love to be given responsibility. They love to feel a little bit more in control of a situation. Um, and so for fam modern families to be eating, you know, at different times each day, you know, outside, inside, you know, on the move, in the car, different ingredients, you know, not hassling your children to finish every last scrap of their broccoli. It's fine. Children don't starve to death. My, my daughter's preschool um, principal, you know, it was our first experience of of um, school because it was our first child, and she was taking packed lunches and she wasn't eating them, and we were we panicked as parents. You know, oh my god, she's going to starve to death! And of course, the principal just said, "I've never known a child starve themselves to death," and it's true. You know, we we put all this pressure on children to eat more food, eat more healthy food. They're not going to starve to death, so let them eat what they want and how they want it is sort of my general thinking of course you know you have to give them some guidance and and keep keep them inside the guardrails but you can give a lot of the power back to them and it works is is what i've found ding ding you know uh i i keep trying to remind my wife of that every time you know for it's been a battle back and forth to, that's how we ended up with the star chart thing right it was like 
you know, my wife would just be like, oh, I'll just I'll make that hot dog for dinner so that Dom will eat and I'll make the mac and cheese for Ava because she'll eat that. And and then we, you know, we would have whatever we're going to have for dinner. And I'm like, stop doing that. Like, you're just you're just pushing into, you know, playing right into you making three different meals for dinner every night for the rest of forever and not pushing their boundaries that's not yeah that's not great i mean of course no it's not <laughs> I'm, I'm, i know it's not explaining it wasn't either. Times. i mean that 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 situation cooking three meals for four people is something that i've touched upon and 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 i'm never going back to but i think you know again it's a balancing act isn't it it's like on the one hand yes i'm not gonna you know you can't push your luck but I will give you a bit more responsibility if you appreciate it and act responsibly with it. You know, it's yeah. a yeah. You know, the more the more you the more you give back, the more I give you. Yeah, you got to give them responsibility, right? If they don't yeah. get the responsibility, like how are they going to learn how to? Otherwise, they don't come out, you know, knowing responsibility and knowing how to what to do with that responsibility, yeah. um, and uh, you know the privilege that comes with that. But. Um, yeah, no, it, it's it's one of those things that uh, I I think that giving giving them that opportunity to to be rewarded or in in, in the case of uh, Nashi to be able to be creative um, and and be able to play with that that food or um, have something that you know enable like I I love that you you are coming out from the perspective of like let's let's make what we have enjoyable so it's not dreadful time for them to come to it. And to answer your question about millennials, since I am technically millennial, like I'm at the top end of millennial, um, it's, you know, it's more out of necessity than anything to not have that regimented time. Though the other day uh, I pointed out to my wife, I said, you need to stop letting Ava eat her breakfast cereal on the, uh, on the couch or breakfast, whatever breakfast is, because yeah. she like nests herself in, into the couch and watch you know, puts on the TV and I'm fine with her watching some TV, but she's nested. Like you, she's very clearly taking the blanket, wrapping around herself and, and laying there. And then when it's time to get up to like go to school or, or go get ready for, to go to school. No, no, I don't. I don't want to do that. Like, yeah, of course you don't. You let her get in the couch. She's in her comfy zone. I wouldn't want to either, right? Like, don't let her eat there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for the most part, <laughs> I do try and get my kids to eat at the table. That's for sure. We have a counter, like you know, an island counter, but we also have you know our our, our kitchen table, and um, but and I don't mind so much that they you know if they eat a snack out in the in the living room, but that's like not when you're when the expectation is go now we need to get up and go and do things right. Not like rest and just lay on the couch and it's a rainy day or whatever. And we're not going to do anything. Yeah. You know, that's not what this is. This is, we need to get ready for school. <laughs> like you need to eat, you got 25 minutes and then you got to yeah. go upstairs and do the things. Yeah. Um, yeah so, so going into the tank, uh, w- did you have a shark in mind that you wanted to, to be able to partner up with? I did, and it was the shark I ended up with, but I didn't dare think or hope that it would happen because he's, you know, Mark is, you know, he's, he, he's sort of, he's the, quite silent in the in the studio. He lets the other guys do a lot of the talking and, and glean a lot of the information out of the entrepreneurs. Um, so 
he was over there and they were all bombarding me with questions. I mean, the, the producers have said, just be prepared. Once you're once you finish your pitch, all hell's gonna break loose and you'll find it completely overwhelming. And that's pretty much what happened. Um, I, I was in front of them for 45 minutes and I don't actually remember very much of what happened at all because it was constant and you know, you, you, you're being asked three questions at once and you're trying to be polite and, and answer all of them. And and Mark was was very quiet and he just he he asked me three questions, I think, in total. Um, but they were all I remember them all because they were all really clever, interesting questions. Um, and I would like to think that based on you know, not only on my product, but on, on the answers I gave him, I think that probably played a part in his decision making process. Um, but yeah, he was the one I wanted. And he's the one I got. So thanks. Indeed. <laughs> now, uh, one question I did have when watching the pitch again, uh, the other day in preparation was uh, the pancake on the plate. Was that stuck to the plate? Or did you just <laughs> handle it very gently so that it didn't slide? Um, I I don't know. I, it might have been stuck to the plate. It was. It was. It was there when I walked out. They had told me it would be there, and they they suggested what to do with it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would imagine it might have been stuck to the plate. I definitely. I mean, having said that, I'm sure if I tipped it up too much, it probably would have fallen off. So and it would have made great TV too. Like, hey, let's check out this. Yeah, well, that would have ruined. Right my <laughs> I, you know, it just, it's one of those things that stood out. It didn't stand out to me in the moment watching it, you know, because it's a yeah. lot, you know, when I do my reaction, it's all live, like in real time. But watching it back, I'm like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, th- was that, you know, was that stuck to the plate? I would think it would be. But then again, maybe not. So it makes great TV. Yeah. Now, going into with the tank um, or going into the tank, uh how did you come up with your valuation that you wanted to to offer? Because two hundred fifty thousand for seventeen percent is kind of a odd number. Uh, well, literally an odd number, but just this is something that you don't hear very often. <laughs> looking for seventeen percent. Um, I spoke to the Shark Tank business advisor, who was again amazing. You know, they're all really, really good, and they help you in so many different ways to prepare for your big reveal on the in the studio. Um, and it was a combination of of you know the valuation I had talked about to them and, you know, the, the, you know, apparently $250,000 is, is a number that you know, is generally advised that you don't ask for more than that because $250,000 is a lot of money. Um, and a lot of these people walking, you know, a lot of us walking onto that studio floor, you know, we have very, very young companies with, you know, the, the, um, are at a certain point in their evolution. So I think to suggest that your company is worth tens of millions of dollars, there are exceptions, of course, and they're right sometimes. But for the most part, I think, you know, a lot of the entrepreneurs who walk onto that floor are at a certain stage in their company's evolution. And so based on that and the conversation I had with the Shark Tank business advisor, um, I, I, I actually can't remember. I think Seven two hundred and fifty for seventeen percent values the company at one point five million, um, and that was that was the number that the business advisor and I you know decided was the right one. Mm, okay, yeah, I mean that makes makes sense. Uh, yeah, it's just shy of one point five million one one four seven yeah one point four seven uh, and change. So um, 
so okay so i mean it, it makes sense it's just a little like it's just a, a bit of an odd 17 odd yeah. thing but you're not wrong like uh you know the or well they're not wrong of anything over two hundred fifty thousand is really pushing it no matter how much money you know how much percentage you're offering up for the deal even if you may be worth it um yeah. It's because it, it's I mean, it's asking a lot of any one particular unless we're talking about Mark, but even Mark values his money, too. So uh, it's everybody, it's everybody values their money, of course. Well, yeah, I mean, but he's being the only billionaire there. It's a little bit different um, for him than it would be for uh, some of the other sharks that are hundred millionaires, you know, hundreds of millionaires, which is a lot. But. 250,000, 300,000, 400,000, 500,000 is a large percentage of their net worth, you know, a, a, lar- a lot larger percentage than somebody who's worth over a bill, you know, a bi- at least a billion, maybe multiple billions. I'm not sure. I think any smart business people are careful with their money. Yeah, as as they absolutely should be. And I think that's, you know, come again, coming in for anything over 250,000 is is tough. It's a, yeah. it makes it really hard to get a deal. Um so with that said, you went in and you're you were talking uh, about, you know, Walmart or where you're being asked about Walmart deal, you're asking uh, asked about the low sales uh to date and and how were how were you feeling in the moment when those thing when those kind of questions came up? Or I mean, I assume you were prepared for them to be talked yeah. about, especially the the low sales one. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm intimately familiar with my business, and I've I've it it is me. I am it. It is me. I've you know my business is like my twin, and we've come on this journey together, and the sales were what they were because I've never had a marketing budget and my only investment has come from family and friends. And again, you know, my wife was sick for two and a half years before two and two and a half years before I walked onto the stage. So that's had an effect on how much money I've been able to devote to the business and, and what I've taken out of the business. Um, yeah, I, I was ready for all the answers. I was, I was ready for all the questions and I had answers to all the questions again, you know, I was rehearsed over and over and over again through the whole of last summer um which is not to say i was i was given answers or 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 told to invent answers everything was you know they were just telling me the sort of questions you might expect and you know to have the answers to those questions ready and so you do you walk onto that stage terribly well prepared whether you think you are or not of course i'm sure most people as did i walk onto that stage thinking oh my God, I'm completely unprepared. I can't remember any of the answers. And then, of course, you walk onto the stage and they say action and the questions come and lo and behold, you suddenly remember all the answers. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I, well, I mean, it's uh, different. I mean, I've gotten different answers about that over over the couple, you know, last couple of years about uh, people blocking out, not being able to remember anything. Like, you know, they, they're like, oh, yeah, go walk. And it's like, you know, lights go out inside and they're just like zombie mode walking I down. Say, yeah, I suppose what I what I the one the one sort of um uh you know I was in front of them for forty five minutes and I came off that stage a gibbering wreck, convinced that I have that I had blown it, convinced I'd given terrible answers to all the questions, um, and convinced I was the least articulate person on the face of the earth, which you know it is hugely, you know, it's a very, very high pressure situation. Um, 
And you do fluff your lines a few times and they've got extremely good editors, yes. But at the same time, the answer, the questions I was asked on the show and the answers I gave on the show, none of that was edited. Um, you know, it was, those were the questions they asked and those were the answers I gave. There were some other questions where probably my answer wasn't as articulate and they chose not to, to use that one in the broadcast. But again, you know, I'm go I, I always go back to the M&M things. I, I've got one shot here and I'm going to make damn sure I get it. Absolutely. Absolutely. There. Uh, when you, when you're, you know, getting those, those questions, obviously, you know, it is, it is, like you said, all hell breaks loose uh, and lots of questions come. And especially now that the sharks are so spread out uh, really makes it difficult for, you know, for you to hear them. Um, but when you, you know, when you're giving um, those answers and you, you said you, you felt like you weren't, um, articulate or anything like that which which has got to be hard because as as a as a british man with a british accent uh, i assume you're british right yeah i could be i, I could have been wrong um you know with the, with the accent and all it, everything you say just sounds so official and like <laughs> as if it's you know coming from the word of god you know the yeah. god's mouth to to somebody's ears um it's that official thank you but uh you're you're welcome so i you know i i think that's a great lesson for anybody to to feel like even people that have like that, you know, a great accent that sounds official no matter what they're saying can still feel internal that, you know, I didn't say it right or, or I didn't answer it properly or I didn't give a great answer. Yeah. I mean, my wife does a lot of public speaking or did a lot of public speaking. And I used to play hooky from school on the days when I knew I had to stand on stage in front of the class and give a presentation. It's not, <laughs> it's not something I enjoy doing. And yeah, you can walk onto a stage at a conference and speak in front of a thousand people about your specialist subject and probably feel confident doing so. I think walking onto the stage at Shark Tank, it's, it's insane because it's Shark Tank. Those people are who they are. So that's quite intimidating as well. You know that you've got one shot. It's a 45 minute thing. It's not like they do multiple takes. They turn the camera on and you just do it for 45 minutes or an hour. And on top of all of that, this is my business, my baby. I want to make sure I present it properly. I want to make sure that um, I get a deal. You know, and the stress of thinking about what happens if I don't get a deal. Not only will I not have got a deal, but does that then reflect badly on my business as well? There's so much going on in that moment. You know, as you stand, walk onto the stage, and then stand there ready to go. It's 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 insane. Um, <laughs> And that's probably, yeah, I don't remember very much from my wedding day either. And I think it's the same thing. You're like, you're, you're, it's built up so large, you know, so big in advance. That, and then suddenly the floodgates open and it just all happens and, and it all happens so quickly. And it is a lot going on and there's a lot to absorb. It's, I'm not surprised I don't remember very much of it. Um, and I'm, yeah, I, 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 I'm sure I wasn't as inarticulate as I worry, but, um, yeah, their editors are very, very good. Uh, I will give them that. <laughs> no, look, hey, uh, wedding days are stressful, long, uh, and 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 usually more like, from my you know, my impression uh, and experience, more fun for the people that you've invited than the oh, yeah. people actually going through uh, so. the process. And then in my experience as well, like it was 
it was very abbreviated. Uh, we're talking about mealtime. Like, we didn't even really get to eat our own dinners. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so you get Mark, 25%, 250000 Um How are you, other than feeling like you might have been inarticulate walking out of the tank, uh, how else were you feeling about that? After I got the deal? Yes. Dumbstruck. I mean, not not because I was surprised that I got a deal, but just like, oh my god, it, this is real. It's happened, and I succeeded. Um, it's an amazing feeling, and 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 I got the one I was hoping to get as well. Um, yeah, it was an amazing feeling. It was it was that it still is. You know, I'm, I'm, it's amazing to be able to think Mark Cuban's my business partner, and 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 we are partners in a business together, and I'm able to communicate with him on a regular basis and take advice from him on a regular basis. And that advice is incredibly good. Um, all of his emails are extremely, extremely um, focused and in response to something I've put in front of him. And, his, and, and, and it's always the right advice. And it's, it's just great. He wouldn't be who he is if he, if he wasn't that good. No, I, I, well, absolutely. I know that uh, I know a couple of other people that have gotten deals with Mark uh, have been able to send emails at like four or five in the morning, East Coast time, which he's not East Coast time, uh, at least when he's in Dallas or Dallas is one hour behind. I think it's one hour he's behind. One hour behind, yeah. Yeah. So, so it's like being able to send and get you know replies uh, like within ten minutes is incredible because I know I am not as good with my email uh, as apparently he is. Which yeah. is uh, which he is a skill? Yeah, he definitely always replies. Sometimes, he's, obviously, he's he is extremely busy, and sometimes it's just a you know one sentence response, and sometimes it's more. Um, but yeah, it's 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 an amazing thing to have access to. It's great, hundred percent. So, leaving the tank, uh, heading home. What was uh, some of the first things you did f- with your business to get prepared for potentially getting to air on Shark Tank? Um. I, well, it's quite trying to work out how to answer that question. Um, I had to commit to moving to a bigger co-packer, which was daunting, I think, for anybody to to get to a point where you actually realize you're going to have to move co-packers. It's an awful thing to have to admit because it's a really, really stressful thing to do it's, it's like moving house but times 100 especially if you own all of your own machinery it's probably much more stressful if you own all of your own machinery as i do um so you know you sort of put off that decision put off that decision and then finally you're like i've got to do this so you do it and it's always takes 10 times longer than you think it's going to and it's always 10 times more expensive than you think it's going to be um so really that was the biggest thing um moving to a co-packer that I knew I could then grow with, um, you know, up to any to any size I needed to at any rate I needed to. That was the biggest thing I had to commit to, and I'm glad I did commit to doing. Yeah, I mean that's a scary scary thought. I mean, knowing um, actually knowing at least one co-packing company, uh, they you know to to have your you know your process and then like okay, we're gonna like. Potent, you know, we're going to move it, and hopefully everything goes the way it's supposed to, right? Everything goes to plan. Um, 
but then if it doesn't like now we are potentially out of business you know we're 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 could be real in trouble like real quick yeah i mean i was had to move copacker had to launch sketchup into 1600 walmart locations from from from, you know that was our launch that was where that's how sketchup launched that's how it came into the world it went straight into 1600 walmart locations wow and i needed to prepare for you know any eventuality what that 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 might come about off the back of the episode airing as well so you know there's a lot of money being committed to being spent yeah oh absolutely so uh once you once you found out that you were you were going to be airing on shark tank uh did you guys wind up having a, a launch party or a watch party or anything or what did i you- i for weeks in well, actually probably for months in advance I, I i said i'm not going to watch it i can't it's too stressful even though i know what happened and i know that what happened was good i actually don't know whether i can sit and watch myself do that and watch myself but because again yeah until i saw how smoothly it had been edited i was i was just convinced i was going to be a come across as a gibbering wreck um and then of course about about two weeks before it aired somebody pointed out that you know you've got to watch it with your kids you know it's a big deal for them and and as soon as they said that i'm like you're right absolutely we invited one couple over um to sit and watch it with us and it was really nice i'd spoken to a couple of other people in the run-up to it airing and they'd either had a party at a bar or invited and they both of those people regretted being in this ball of people you know cheering for them and 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 they they said it was just sensory overload and they they if they if they'd had a chance to do it again they would have done it with a much smaller group of friends so i i sort of took that on board as well but for the most you know know, the priority was i just want to watch it with my kids um and freya of course you know that I, i just want to be here being able to watch it being able to hear it um and 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 it worked really well it was really enjoyable for all of us you know, it's almost like if, if like if I was thinking uh, that through, I I'd be like, we're gonna have this air like a I don't know hall or whatever we rent right for for everybody. I'm gonna be in like the green room or like the dressing like the room where you know the bridesmaids would be hanging out or, or whatever it, whatever place we're we're renting um, to watch it with my kids, and then after we watch it. I'll walk out and I'll enjoy it with everybody, you know, and so I don't have to to do that. But I totally understand, though. I will say if you had asked me, I would say they would not want Mark Cuban looking like he's investing in a babbling idiot. So no. they are. And, you know, so at the end of the day, like being the executive producer that he is of the show, I'm sure they would not want him to look dumb investing in somebody who looks like no. they don't know what they're t- doing. No, I, I, I think um, I would like to think that you know he saw something in the product and that that's why he invested in it. I, I think he did. I mean, you know, based on again, based on the communications I have with him and the, and the things that we discuss, you know, it, I certainly get the impression that he 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 feels he was right to invest in the company, and I'm going to do everything I can to 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 you know make it worth his while having invested in the company. Oh, thousand percent. I'm talking about specifically from the edit of the of Shark Tank. Like, you know, they don't want it to look on national TV. Like, oh wow, like why no. did uh, Mark no. decide it on this one? Like, so they're going to make you look good so that Mark can also look good, right? And I that's that's so, yeah, yeah. That's maybe, how I would have came looked at it. Like, if if I had those concerns, yeah, maybe 
maybe they edit people who end up not getting a deal. Maybe they edit them less in a less flattering way. I don't know, having not watched the show very much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for the most part, I, I, and I feel like, you know, going back and watching some of these older episodes, it definitely, I mean, they used to be very much over the top with their attacking of the entrepreneurs and and things like it's very much the softer tank uh yeah. now than it than it ever was you know five six years ago seven years ago yeah i mean i i you know i i, I haven't lived in england for 25 years but i know that the english version is called dragon's den and i know that the dragons on dragon's den are far more aggressive in their interrogation of the entrepreneurs than the sharks are here um i've always thought that was because America's a bigger country, there's more money here, and I think the sharks here see that anyone who walks in front of them might be, you know, a billion-dollar idea. And so it would be remiss of them not to give everybody a fair hearing and treat everybody equally, whereas in England, and I'm, you know, these are huge assumptions I'm making here, but England's <laughs> a smaller country, um, and I... I think it's just I, I, from where I'm sitting, it looks like it comes down to you know the 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 the, the differing size of the two economies and and the potential for what a good idea could become here versus what a good idea could become there. Mm. You know, I, I mean, I mean, I don't know how how the pet rock sold in England, but like <laughs> it did pretty good over here. It still does, it still gets sold today yeah. uh, out there in the wild. But uh, so so. So you, so you, so just to clarify, you did, so you did get to watch it with your, with your kids, which is yeah. great. Yeah. Good, good, yeah. good, good. How did you wind up coming against, uh, coming up against my video? And did you, have you watched my video? I haven't because again, <laughs> I, I, it's too, I, because that would involve me watching myself on the show. Yeah. Which I, I did, um, watch myself on the show again the morning after with a clear head because of course I came away from watching it on the Friday night thinking well actually I come across okay I don't I don't look too bad I sound pretty articulate and then I just watched it again quietly myself the next morning um, and I went out for a walk and spoke to my uncle who is one of our shareholders and I said I'm trying to work and he's in England and I said I'm trying to work out how you can see it and he said I've already seen it and I said <laughs> How? And he said, oh, he said, I found it on YouTube. There's a guy called Joe Pardo. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Yeah, so that's how I found out about you. And was he the one that told you I wanted to, to have you on for an interview? Or, um, yeah, or he you, oh, yeah. Okay. He yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I extend it to, to all, all super entrepreneurs and, and you know, love uh, the opportunity to get to talk to people and, and talk, you know, the experience and the business and how things are going and and all that. So uh, so that's it's just, I, you might be the first person that has come on that hasn't watched the video. <laughs> no, I, I, again, you know, it's just it's just me. It's always been me. I don't I played hooky from school on those days was you know the idea of standing in front of people is really not my bag and you know i'm just one of those people who doesn't really like watching themselves for whatever reasons i'm really for your sake i'm really glad that they didn't decide to bring you in for the live episode <laughs> yeah me too. yeah that would have been too much so growing up what was what was your dream like what was your childhood dream like um, I grew up in the English countryside, um, which was rather idyllic. And then two things happened in the summer of 1985. First of all, 
my and I remember this vividly. My mother came home one day and handed me a magazine out of the window of her car as she was parking outside our house. And it was a magazine called The Face, which was a sort of style magazine that was very um, trendy in England at the time. And it had George Michael on the cover. And I took it inside and read it. And it's sort of, this is a weird thing to say, silly thing to say, but it, it did change my life. I was like, oh my God, there's this amazing world in London. It was a very London-centric magazine with all of these shops and all of these nightclubs and all of this music and all of the and, and it and I was like wow that's pretty bloody cool um and then a month later my father died very very suddenly at the age of 38 oh wow um which of course yeah, there's a radio show in England called Desert Island Discs where they interview people from all walks of life successful people from all walks of life be they brain surgeons rock stars authors movie stars directors and a huge number of them, I've noticed over the years, all lost a parent when they were very young. And it seems to have an effect on people. And I talked about this in the tank, actually. I didn't use it on the on the episode. Um, and it sort of feels like you've been shot out of a cannon. You, why that is, I don't really know. But you sort of, whether it's your run, whether it's because you want to run away from that place because that happened in that place, I don't know. But he died and sort of overnight, I was like, right, I'm moving to London as fast as possible to do the stuff that I am reading about in this magazine. And then I started reading other magazines. I started reading Vogue magazine. Um, and I remember again, sitting one day looking through a copy of my mother's Vogue magazine. And there was a photo shoot of a model on a beach. And I happened to just glance down to the bottom of the page and it had the credits of everybody who was on that shoot on that beach. And I was like, oh, real people with real job titles. I'd quite like to be one of those people. Um, and so that's what happened. The next year, I turned 16, moved to London, lived with my aunt and uncle. Um, and by the time I was 19, I was working at Vogue. I did a summer internship at Vogue, and then that led to another full-time job on another magazine. And that's what I did. I, I worked in fashion. I wanted to work in fashion. I wanted to be a photographer initially. Um, but ended up getting sidetracked and did all sorts of weird things. I was a fashion editor. I was an agent. I was a, um, I was a product photographer. I was a producer. I was a bookings editor on L magazine in London. That's what I wanted to do. And so that's what I did for 20, 25 years until our kids turned up. And then I felt like I'd grown out of it. I was sort of, it's a young person's industry. It was amazing. I would highly recommend it to anybody who's even remotely interested in it. But I had definitely grown out of it and so that's when I became a stay-at-home parent and that's what turned that's how I sort of turned into a kids food entrepreneur wow that uh that is yeah. some dedication I think um well I mean I think because you know I think about it today and I'm like how would you not have known sooner right but but you gotta think back like 85 like the internet wasn't a thing and you're saying the countryside so like i don't know what your tv situation was like for you know visual arts and things coming through but um, i think that that day when she handed that magazine to me through the car window i suddenly realized that there was more to life than this little hill that we it was literally a hill called pancake hill that we lived on in the english oh, you lived next to peppa pig cool almost yeah um, <laughs> But suddenly this magazine opened my eyes to the fact that um, there was this other stuff over there that I could become involved in and become interested in and maybe make a career out of. And so I did it. 
Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Um, so what's the, what's the future of Nashi looking, Noshi, sorry. Noshi looking. Oh, it's Noshi. It's Noshi. Noshi. I said it right the first time. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. I'll forgive you. Uh, Thank you. I, I, I appreciate (laughs) the future for Noshi. Um, I'd like to do more savory condiments. I'd like to do SketchUp, crayonnaise, and mustard. I'd like to do bigger tubes one day. I'd like to do individual tubes sold per mark suggestion in the studio. You know, whether they are individual tubes sold on the menu at IHOP, which I think would be an amazing opportunity. Um, Sachets, you know, with, with a controllable sprout that's sprout spout you say words wrong too yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> we I mean, all do the, the thinking behind it is getting kids to enjoy meal times and if there's an element of creativity involved as well then all the better um food paint initially was conceived as a six pack with three vegetable flavors and three fruit flavors and the production cost just would have been so prohibitively high that we i put the vegetable flavors out and put them to one side you know, we've signed a license deal with Very Hungry Caterpillar, um, and that's where I want to launch the vegetable flavors. It's not going to happen today or next week or next month, but I think that's a pretty cool thing, and that would probably be baby food, right? So mm. it's all organic. You know, the focus has to be organic. Everything has to remain organic and will always be organic, but it's organic, and it's giving kids more responsibility, designing products that can be used by children, um, giving them, you know, more autonomy and showing them that you trust them and if i can build a family of products around that ethos then that's what i'm hoping to do oh i i love it i love it and i love the 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 very hungry caterpillar uh it's great great book Uh, we were just reading it the other night to uh to our son thank you no problem um so where can everybody go to get their nashi um, food paint is available. No, she, no, 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 food paint is available on Amazon. SketchUp will be available on Amazon next month. SketchUp's also available um, at most. I see Walmart. you're sold out here, uh, yeah, sold but out. but not uh, Amazon, which is awesome. Amazon, it's okay. But on our website, it's sold out. We're working overtime to get it back in stock on the website. Um, yeah, and I would go to Amazon if I were you. And if you and, and sketch up, you can probably find it in your local Walmart. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Uh, cool. So, so yeah. Um, uh, so, thank you so much. Thank you, <laughs> thank you so much, Ta- Tomo, for coming on the show and and sharing your experience and your stories and all. And uh, I'm so glad that your wife is doing so. You know, doing better. And then doing better again, uh, in in you know I mean, through the COVID time warp, which is 2020 to now, yeah. uh, and how much time has passed. And like, hey, that was just last year. No, that was like four years ago now. Oh, when no. you're talking about 2019, <laughs> craziness, absolute craziness. I mean, yeah, it's it's as a family, we've had a really, I'm not going to say rough ride of it because I know many, many, many families have had a much worse time than us. But it's been sort of insane i don't really know how we've all managed to come out the other side of it with our sanity to be honest um you know my cute my main concern was keeping the kids as happy as possible um and they're both 
doing really well. I mean, Freya's doing amazingly well. She's recovered amazingly from the heart surgery. The kids are great. And I apparently still have my sanity as well. Yay! <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you again, Tavo, for taking the time and being here. And thank you for making it all the way to the end of this interview. Uh, if you haven't watched Tavo's interview, check or interview Shark Tank pitch, click on it up here. If not, I'll see you in the video down below. Take care and go be super. Thank you so much, Joe.